Well, it is a little different today, but I'm thankful for these two ladies who uh, helped us this morning, and I certainly pray that Peter feels better and that everyone else makes it back safe and sound. Uh, I uh, do appreciate the fact that uh, on short notice, uh, they were both able to to take care of that today. Uh, Katie actually was playing uh, not on her flute, so she was using someone else's there because hers are in the shop, and so I thought she did pretty good to have borrowed somebody's stuff. That was pretty pretty good. Um, I noticed these two little ones down here, y'all were kind of, y'all should learn to play because y'all, y'all were both learning that, like that was pretty good. So you, you could handle it. I know you both have enough hot air to do it. So, I mean, it shouldn't be an issue right there. Um, I want this morning to look at something that I know none of us in this room struggle with whatsoever. Uh, these narcissistic tendencies that we're going to find in a man that we're going to read about this morning in scripture. And I'll be honest with you, I shared with Denton earlier in the week, I said, man, I said, the more I study for this uh, sermon, the less I like it because I find myself with certain tendencies I didn't really think about as being this, being narcissistic, but apparently I have some things to work on. Um, If you have your Bible, let's turn to Esther chapter five. And as always, let's stand together as we read from God's word. And by the way, if you're wondering what narcissism looks like, if you've ever been to an old-fashioned Baptist business meeting, you might have uh, experienced some of that from time to time. All right. Then Amon went out uh, that day joyful and pleased of heart. If you're wondering why, because he was invited. He He and the king were invited by Esther to come to a banquet. But when Haman saw Mordecai at the king's gate and that he did not stand up or tremble before him, Haman was filled with anger against Mordecai. But Haman controlled himself, however. (laughs) You know why? Because nothing was going to ruin his special day. This was all about that. And went to his house. But he sent for his friends and his wife, Zeresh. Then Haman told them of the glory of his riches and his many sons and every occasion which the king had honored him and how he had promised him above the officials and servants of the king. Or promoted him, excuse me, above the officials and servants of the king. Haman also said, even Esther the queen, let no one except me come with the king to the banquet which she had prepared. And tomorrow also I am invited by her with the king. Yet all of this does not satisfy me every time I see Mordecai, the Jew, sitting at the king's gate. And Zeresh's wife and all his friends said to him, Have a wooden gallows, 50 cubits high. Make it in, in, in the morning. Ask the king to have Mordecai hanged on it. Then go joyfully with the king to the banquet. And the advice pleased him on. So he had the wooden gallows made. Father, may we recognize when we look at ourselves more than we look at others. May we be able to see, Father, when we are not true in how we serve others. May it not be about us. May our decisions be based upon how 
they help our fellow man and how they promote you, not how they promote us. Lord God, today deal with our hearts. In Christ's name I pray, amen. We have here a man who the Bible describes as being joyful and pleased of heart. But we're going to find that the only reason that he was joyful and pleased of heart was because he was the one that he felt was going to be honored. He was the one that that thought that he was important. And so his importance, when it's recognized by others, it brings pleasure. It brings joy to him. And we know this because just after this moment of joy, he sees a man, Mordecai, who refuses to acknowledge his position who refuses to bow down to him and and pay homage to him. Uh, So it bothers him. But in this particular day, it says that uh, he was able to control himself even though Mordecai did not pay attention to him. Because again, this was about him. He's been invited to the queen's home. He is he is important. This is this is good for him. He's excited about all that's going to take place. And so the first thing he does is he gathers his family and his friends together and he tells them what an amazing thing is going to happen. He gathers them and says, "Listen, I am about to be honored. I am the one recognized. Basically, under the king, I am second. So important am I that the queen has invited me not only today, but tomorrow as well to a banquet. But one thing bothers me. You ever met anybody that just can't be satisfied? You ever met somebody who no matter what happens in their life, no matter how good it is, it wasn't quite what they expected, so it wasn't good enough for them? I know a lot of people like this. Unfortunately, I find myself from time to time being this same person that no matter how good things are, for some reason, I can still find the cloud, the one cloud in the sky when everything else is sunny. Anybody else willing to say, you know what, that might be me. If you are, let's do this this morning. Let's raise our hand and just prove to everybody that we know that we have issues. Awesome. Thank you. We're all, not all of us, but some of us are in the same boat. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some people that I have met that it doesn't matter how cloudy the day is, they can still see sunshine through the clouds. And for those of you like that, God bless you. You are amazing. Truly, I'm, I'm always blessed to find people that can always see the positive in life, that can always find the good. But then there are those people that it's only good if it's about them. This is one of the reasons that I don't believe in participation trophies. You have to work. You have to earn. You have to do your part in order to be recognized, in order to to move up in in the world. And and, and yet we are teaching our children to make everything about them, that as long as it's about them, that they should be happy, that as long as everyone's on an equal playing field, they should just be happy. And by the way, as they get out in the real world and they get their first job, they find out that not everybody is on the same equal playing field. There are a lot of people who struggle if life is not about them. There are people who struggle if everything doesn't revolve around what they think it should. And these people struggle with narcissism. Narcissism is the term used in psychology to describe a preoccupation with self. It's all about that person. It's all about them, how it affects them, how life revolves around 
them. Now, to give you an idea, this term is taken from a mythological, the mythological uh, character Narcissus, who fell in love with his own image and was doomed to die because he would not turn away from it. So basically, he was going to starve to death because he couldn't look anywhere other than his own image. All that mattered to him was himself. All that mattered to him was what he looked like in the mirror and how others perceived him. Was he good? Was he great? And did people tell him so? There were some issues here. This man struggled, and and so many people that I watch even in church struggle with this very thing. Many of you have struggled with people who are very narcissistic. Everything is about them. And and what, what these people do is they belittle you. They make you look small so that they can build themselves up. Life revolves around them. Everything is about what they want and what they desire. We see these characters throughout the Bible. We see these people like this throughout Scripture. We see a man right now in Russia who is definitely a narcissist. We recognize all of these, these traits, and these, these, these trends that, that someone who's dealing with this has, and they're full of selfishness, vanity, and pride. There's no humility. There's, there's, they're not looking down on others. I mean, they're not looking out for others. They're looking down on others. Instead of helping someone see the good in their life, all they ever do is Remind them of how they don't add up to what this person does. I am so much above that. I am so much better. I am so much greater. And that's the idea of a narcissist. Haman felt that he was so much greater than Mordecai. And so the family says to him, listen, build some gallows. And by the way, this 50 cubits would have been 75 foot 75 foot. Again, this is about, come on, this isn't about Mordecai. This is about showing I have slain my enemy and I want the whole world to see what I have done. He's struggling. He's a man who only knows about himself. Listen, there are people in the pulpits who use the pulpit to promote themselves. Not the scripture. They don't, they don't uh, care about what people know about Christ. They only care about what people know about the books that they've wrote, the things that they've said, the cars that they drive, the planes that they fly. These are narcissists. And our pulpits, unfortunately, are full of people like this. People like this have a, uh, an exaggeration of our sense of self-importance. Well, nobody said anything to me. Well, you didn't ask me. Nobody told me. Well, guess what? You don't have to know everything. But there are certain people that that I know, in fact, even in churches that I have pastored, including Pine Island, who think that they should know everything. And by the way, a narcissist wants to know everything, but they don't want to have to do everything. Those are fun people, are they not? They have you for their work. They have you to do their bidding. But when it's all said and done, who gets the glory for it? Everything that goes wrong is someone else's fault, but everything that goes right is because I guided it 
and I did well. They have a sense of entitlement and require constant, excessive admiration. Do you see what Haman was doing when he gathered his family together? Y'all, come here, listen, listen to how good this is, listen to what's happening. And then he tells them of his enemy. And they're like, oh, listen, we don't really have to know the whole story because we've heard you. Y'all know they say there's two sides to every story. You ever heard that? You know where the truth is found? Somewhere in the middle. Make absolute sure that you don't just take one side but know the whole story. Narcissists only want you to know their side. There are people that, that no, 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 don't listen to the, no, 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 listen, you could trust me. You've known me for this long. You've known me for this. I, you know that I'm going to tell you the truth. A true believer is not afraid for somebody to hear the other side because they know that they have done right. Narcissist, however, only wants you to know their side. It's tough whenever we think about this. Um, we do a lot of things like come on here. We, 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 we have great days when people love on us and tell us how good we are. But the way you know that you're dealing with narcissism is if when that ceases, your mood changes. When that ceases, all of a sudden now I'm, I'm not as happy. I'm, I'm not as good as I was because no one is telling me how good I am. As I studied this, as I kept looking and I kept kind of reading what are, what are some different signs, what are some different things that, that we have that, that might, we might need to pay attention to. Here's some other things that, that happen. They exaggerate achievements and talents. They add to what they've done. What, they, what they've done is not good enough, so they, they add to. You ever met somebody who always has to outdo somebody else? No matter what your story is, they've had bigger and better. Don't you love hanging around people like this? You tell a story, and you're telling the truth. You're, you're speaking from the heart, and, and you're broken, and you're beaten. But somebody else has to have a worse tale than you. They don't give full details, though, because you might go back and ask somebody else. They don't necessarily tell you names because you might go back and ask those people, hey, do you remember such and such when this happened? And they're going to look at you like, what are you talking about? That never happened. But that's how narcissists are. They have to exaggerate achievements and talents. Everything has to be about them. They're preoccupied with fantasies about success, power, brilliance, beauty are the perfect mate. Now, those of you that are married in here and you've been married for a while, let's be real honest. Um. Is there such a thing as a perfect mate? Men, just shush. <laughs> Women, is there such a thing as a perfect mate? <clears throat> Where he does whatever is supposed to be done, right? Where everything is just as it should be. He walks in and he takes his shoes off and he picks them up and he takes them straight to the little shoe rack and puts them on there. And, and in case there's any dirt, he makes sure to take a little brush and brushes the dirt off. And then he, 
He cleans up his little mess. And if he's really a good husband, the perfect husband, he did all of that outside. And, and the yard is always perfectly mowed. The hedges are always in perfect shape. Everything is absolutely the way that it should be because I've got the perfect mate. But yet there are people that if you don't meet that criteria, especially if you're married to one, they're going to let you know just how far short you fall from meeting their standard. This is a narcissist. This is the one who says, listen, I'm fantasizing about someone other than you because you didn't meet what I thought you would meet. And so you get beat up the whole marriage. Men or women, if you're looking at your spouse and they are not who you thought they would be, suck it up, buttercup. You said I do. But sometimes they leave, don't they? Especially the narcissists will check out. They're gone. They don't want any part of this. They're not going to fight for a marriage because if they fight for a marriage, that means that they're part of the problem. When a narcissist checks out, what happens is they find that the other person is to blame for everything. Haman's issues are all thrown on Mordecai. The only thing that Mordecai did ready? The only thing that he did is he obeyed God. He said, I'm not bound down to you. Folks, apparently everybody but Mordecai. The narcissist looks at, well, the one who didn't obey. And they get wrapped up in that one person forever. That one person. And it defeats her whole day. What has Haman done at this point? Honestly, that we know of in, in Scripture? Absolutely nothing. And that's the typical narcissist. They expect to be recognized as superior even without achievements that warrant it. This is Haman. This is, look at what I've done. What have you done? Honestly, folks, what has he done? Nothing. We see no achievements, nothing that has been accomplished by him, but yet he expects everyone, including Mordecai, to bow down. There are issues. Narcissist monopolizes conversations and belittles or looks down on people they perceive as inferior. I fit half of that right there. I monopolize most conversations. Like I was out there and I thought about this. I thought, man. So I'm in the jail this past week. I'm talking to these, these inmates and I'm, I, I'm watching one of the inmates and I'm starting thinking, what is this guy thinking? He hasn't said a word the whole time. And to me, I, I'm used to, you know, conversation and going and, 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 and everybody else is kind of sharing some things and, and finally, some, one of the other inmates looks over at him and goes, you're going to sit there? And man, it had a, I'm serious, like this had an impact on me. He said, I figure before I speak, I might want to listen. One of the tendencies that I have is that I, I tend to open this before I let this engage. Y'all, anybody else in here have that issue? 
it's already coming out before we really let it think. A narcissist doesn't think that they have to think. They just think that their words are important. That's all that matters. And what he said that they really spoke to me because I came in there with this idea of I'm going to teach these folks. They're going to hear what I have to say. But, man, I needed to stop long enough to listen. I needed to listen. A narcissist is one that doesn't listen. They don't care what you have to say. They don't, they don't care about your experiences. Did you praise them enough for what they shared? Did you recognize their brilliance in what they did? Even if they did nothing, they still want to be recognized. But they do not want to hear what you have to say. Your ideas are not important. They don't matter. They expect special favors and unquestioning compliance with their expectations. If you've ever worked for a narcissistic boss, it's not fun because you will never make them happy. Once you meet a demand, instead of telling you good job, well, why didn't you do this? Or I really lowered the bar for you. You should have taken it another step further. Narcissists will also take advantage of others to get what they want. They have an inability or unwillingness to recognize the needs or feelings of others. Because I have watched how this type of person can ruin another. I have watched how a spouse can take another spouse and literally make them feel as though they are nothing. And then the narcissist wonder, what's wrong with you? What's the matter with you? Why, why can't you be happy like I'm happy? Well, because I can't ever do anything right according to you. And folks, I wish I could tell you that this is not something that we find in the church, but it's true. It is. It's something that we find even in our churches. Why do you think there are church splits? It's because people get so caught up in what they want that they're unwilling to listen to the other side. If ever there should have been a place where people can come together and agree to disagree, it ought to be at the church. But instead, no, 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 no. Why do you think so many people leave the church? Why do you think so many people, including deacons' children, pastors' kids, they, they, they don't want, they, they've washed it all. And our churches are full of people a lot of times who the only opinion that matters is their own. This this was Haman. Life was about him. He's a man who struggled. So we know about Haman, the narcissist. We know about this man that that struggled with, with, with self-importance. Everything was about him. Everything was about him. What about the Christian narcissist? What about us in the church? Well, there's a thing called fake humility, fake niceness, fake sincerity, fake giving. How many of you have ever met somebody who you knew for sure was just an absolute fake? 
They overplay everything, right? Their humility. I'm with you. Who doesn't like a nice and agreeable person? Narcissists have learned, okay? They've learned this one. But be very careful because with that smile that they give you at your face, that smile turns to hatred when they walk behind your back. Fake sincerity. They tell you they'll do anything they can for you, but whenever the need arises, you can't find that person that promised they would fulfill whatever because life is about them. Folks, I've watched this so many times at church. I'm going to pray for you. I'll be there for you. But as soon as the need happens, the person lies in a hospital all by themselves. I'll tell you what breaks my heart is to know how many people that have hurt over the past two years, physically and emotionally hurt. And all I got from a lot of people at this church was, well, how are they doing? How are they doing? How are they doing? How about pick up the phone? How about give them a call? How about go by and check on them, knock on the door and and say, hey, I just want to know, do you need anything? There's a lot of fake sincerity within the church. We also see a fake faith, fake repentance, and a fake thankfulness. When a narcissist talks about his or her faith, they're usually not talking about their own. They're talking about they were in a group where something positive happened, but they really had nothing to do with it. Fake repentance, there's no real apology with the narcissist. They actually wind up telling you, convincing you that you were at fault for the real issue. That's their apology, making you feel guilty. I have found myself as a husband guilty of this. As a spouse, I have found myself trying to throw my own family under the bus when I needed to look in the mirror. I'm sorry, but that's the most famous line, I guess, of a narcissist. you're here this morning and you realize, you know what? I struggle. I have some of these tendencies in my marriage. I have some of these tendencies in my life. I like things to revolve around me. Then then this morning, you need to respond to the message. You need to come to a place of, of, of confession And not to me, but you need to come to the altar. I don't need to hear how you struggle. 
You and God need to hear how you struggle. And then if you want to come and talk to me sometime after that, that's fine. But this altar is for you this morning to come and say, you know what, Lord, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with having to know everything. I'm struggling with with having life revolve around me. I'm struggling with making my spouse feel small. And if we're honest this morning, there's going to be a lot more people at this altar than what we think. There comes a point where we have to confess, Lord, I am struggling with certain aspects of narcissism that I didn't even realize. I I didn't have a clue that that's what those traits were, but I recognize those now, and I've got to deal with them. If that's you, when we sing in a moment, flood the altar, bring your tears, bring your honesty, and trust God to help you overcome those tendencies. Because as we continue to read in the coming weeks, we're going to find out that Haman just could not deal with that. He could not repent. That's what this altar is here for this morning, is for repentance, to come and say, God, help me with what I'm struggling with. God, help me with forgiveness. God, help me to see others and their needs greater than mine. Lord, let me champion someone that no one else has championed so that no one has the chance to champion me. In other words, don't put yourself first. God, deal with my heart. Let me gladly be last. Maybe you're here and you just need salvation, forgiveness. You've been in church a long time, but you've never truly come to know the Lord. Yes, come and speak to me on that matter. But I'm asking you this morning to take the heart of this message and and truly just ask, God, where have I fallen short with this? Deal with my heart, God, so that I am not in the way of someone receiving Christ because of my attitude, because of the things that I've done. I realize that I've got a lot of things I've got to deal with in my own life. So when I start, when they start this song, I'm not going to be here at the very beginning. I'm going to be at the altar. Let's stand together. Father, this morning we confess to you how desperate we are for you. And Father, we confess to you this morning that we We have tendencies in our life that we had no idea we even had until we really began to study. We have challenges in our life that, God, you're telling us to deal with. Father, today, if there's a husband and a wife that just need to come to this altar, Lord, I pray that they would. Father, if there's one spouse that that just can't see how they're ever wrong, Lord, today may you break their heart and may they come. If there's a boss here, Lord, who can't see how they might be wrong, then, Father, may they come. If there's a young person here, Father, a teenager who feels that they're so much greater than their parents because they're so much smarter than them, 
And Lord, may they come and say, God, forgive me for that attitude. Lord, today, your us go with us this day. May we dedicate it completely to you. Forgive us of our sins. In Christ's name, amen.